And hello and welcome to Strategic Insights Radio, sponsored by Sterling Rose Consulting Corps. This monthly show will discuss topics related to protecting your business from disaster. The host of today's show is expert speaker and consultant Vlad Ruse, CEO of Sterling Rose Consulting Corps, and a recent Impact Award finalist, as well as more recently, I heard Vlad, the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce Small Business of the Month Award winner. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Well, Vlad, let me, uh, for those that have never listened to the show before, let me introduce them to you. You are a serial entrepreneur. You started your first business at the age of 18, and now you have four businesses ranging from approximately two years of age to six years old with revenues from $150,000 to over $5 million. Any way you slice it, that is success. Today's topic, I understand, Vlad, is how to protect your business from disaster. Thank you, Mike. So when people think of disaster, uh, a lot of what really pops into their head is fire, earthquake, flood, and tornado. And so for the most part, when people think disaster, they think natural disaster. Uh, but what they really don't realize is that in business, you can have a lot of other types of disasters as well. You can have employees slip and fall. You can have clients not receiving uh, you know, goods, property, or service, quality issues, employee issues, cyber theft, and really, the question is, is your business prepared for any of those disasters? Um, you know, according to FEMA, so this would be the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and they deal primarily with natural disasters, 40% of businesses never reopen after a disaster hits their company, and another 25% fail within the first year after a disaster. And uh, according to the SBA, after a company experiences a disaster, 90% fail within the first two years. Now, you know, business failure rates are pretty high to begin with. And this just adds another whole new layer to it when, when you consider the plethora of disasters that businesses can be faced with. And really, it's a misconception that you know, insurance and government aid is really going to be enough to help you pick up, pick up the pieces after you experience you know, flood, earthquake, fire, cybercrime, employee accident, employee complaints. Really, the, you know, the reality is that these types of disasters are sometimes not covered under normal insurance policies. Uh, a lot of business owners are not aware of the holes in their insurance policies, and really the government doesn't step in enough typically to help alleviate that. So today I want to introduce my guest, which is Alan New. Alan comes from the Blackburn Tab Insurance Agency, a full-service property and casualty agency offering superior-rated carriers for specialty niches in animal-related services, uh, environmentalists, uh, child care, private schools, elder care, affiliated businesses, uh, 501c3 organizations, property management, restaurant, uh, habitational manufacturers, artisan contractors, as well as personal insurance, so home auto, umbrella, among others. Uh, so, Alan, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Vlad. I appreciate you having me. You know, the first thing I wanted to discuss, really, obviously there's a lot of emergencies and disasters that can actually cause a company to close its doors and fail. Uh, what types of disasters are, are out there that most companies don't realize that can really trip them up relatively easily? Vlad, actually, litigation. Litigation is probably, due to the lack of insurance, the biggest thing that can close a business down. Lack of insurance is from people who say, this could never happen to me, or I'm too small, 
I don't need it, or there's so many, I can't even begin to explain, Vlad, the stories that I hear from clients. I give them a whole array of coverage with examples and potential claims that can happen, and they go, oh, that's great, but I don't need it. It's like, all right, you don't need it, but you will want it when it happens. I think an excellent example right now as far as, let's use cyber liability. Right now, this past Wednesday, we know that Wall Street closed down. We know that United Airlines closed down. And we know that the Washington Post, I believe it was, closed down. Shut down. And they're going, oh, it wasn't a cyber attack. It wasn't a cyber attack. Don't worry. Don't worry. And then this morning, I hear that, oh, what was the number? 21.5 million individuals were affected by this shutdown because there was a second attack to the federal government where they took everyone's private information. We're talking Social Security, dates of birth, names. That's on a very, very large scale. I know a lot of you will remember about Richway. Y'all remember that? At Christmas, everybody was all happy, happy, went out, went shopping, used their cards. Well, Richway had a data breach. Everyone's information was compromised. Richway, if you walk into a store now, they're still struggling. That store is almost empty. And they're doing everything they can to try and bring client base back. So you have to take into consideration things that can happen. The majority for cyber liability, believe it or not, are not these high-tech hackers that have hit the government, United Airways, Wall Street. It can come from employees who leave a laptop in the car that gets stolen but has all the database. It can be a company that doesn't use a professional shredding company to come in. They get all of this pertinent data information. It goes off to be recycled or to put put away in closed doors in some high-functioning facility. So obviously, personal data is very important, uh, whether it's on a computer or it's on a, a piece breach. of paper. Um, so what is, as far as what companies can do and, and what can, in terms of cyber liability and cyber loss, what can a company really do in order to limit their exposure or at least, if not limit, uh, protect themselves against a possible lit- possible litigation that can result from that. All right, cyber liability insurance, number one, regardless. If you have a website, what business nowadays does not have a website? If you have a website that you make a purchase from, i.e. Amazon, didn't Amazon just have a breach also? Didn't everybody have to go in and change their password? All right, if you think about it, you have a website, you're selling things, I have a coffee company. Go online, purchase a coffee, we'll mail it, not a problem. Who is the server you're using? Is it PayPal? Is it, I don't know, who are you using? Where is that transition from where you click sold with all of your information to whoever is taking that money in order for your company to then fulfill the order? What agreement do you, the business owner, with your website have with the merchant that is taking the money from your website. Where is that breach? If there is even a gap in that breach, you are actually going to be liable should your client's information get stolen. So what I'm going to tell you real quick is, in answer to your question, make sure you are secure. Make sure your merchant service is protected. Who is the responsible party on the website? You also, if you have employees that can get in and 
utilize your your client's confidential information, federal credit check. I mean, seriously, find out about your employees. Look at their background. Now, I know with the cyber liability, that is typically, uh, I, I think what a lot of people don't realize, a lot of small business owners is, uh, and, and that gets us to our next point, uh, which is actually going to be, you know, kind of the difference between general general liability for a business and professional liability uh, for those businesses that provide professional services. And really, uh, I, I think general liability now ends up being a bit of an oxymoron. I think the last time we renewed our general policy, it ended up, ended up being uh, about a book uh, about two inches thick that explained all of our coverages. So I guess that, you know, they kept it really general in, uh, in terms of that. So so cyber liability, where does that fit into the overall uh, scheme of getting liability protection for you com- for a company for a small business? Staying on the cyber liability, if I understand you correctly, helps keep your business afloat should you have a data breach. If you don't mind, I can give you an idea that what cyber liability, instead of you paying for it, because if you do have a breach and you feel like your client's information has been compromised, by law, you have to notify each one of those clients. And by law, you have to do a security check on them for a year. You have to make sure that they are, they're bre- they are not breached or, or compromised in any way. So cyber liability, what it offers is it covers liability arising out of unauthorized access to confidential third-party data, the broad definition of unauthorized access, including theft or loss of paper records. It provides defense and damages on insured's behalf, including defense of privacy breach. And uh, it goes on and on. So data breach lost to insured, the cost to restore insured's own data, theft of money and securities through unauthorized access, extra expense while recovering from the breach. Then you have the electronic media coverage, which covers the web content, which is alleged to include libel, slander, other defamation, accidental public posting of private information, copyright, trademark, infringement. So there are a lot of little subtopics under cyber liability. So for for small business owners, really, who do they need to talk with in terms of, and I know I'm in constant contact with my insurance agent and my insurance company when it comes for for all my for all the companies that I manage when it comes to liability and risk assessment. One thing that I wanted to just uh, make sure small business owners are aware of is that they need to a lot of times that insurance agent for a business becomes much more important than your uh, insurance agent maybe for your car where you're just getting a general policy. But even that should not be the case, but typically is not going to be a, a very a large subset. But for for business owner, that agent and that company that you work with becomes a lot more important because you have to do a lot more risk assessment. And the, the good part for small businesses, what I wanted to point out was that this risk assessment typically comes free of charge from your insurance company. Uh, most insurance company will jump at the opportunity to send out a risk assessor and work with you on making sure that your business does is doing everything that you can do in order to mitigate that risk because the less money they have to pay out, the happier they are. And really, you know, there's a lot of good uh, resources that you can use, uh, but your primary resource should always be your 
insurance agent and it should be your insurance company. A lot of times um, people get into the idea that like on the personal side, you know, you get into a little fender bender, like, oh, don't tell the insurance company because they'll really hike up your rates and they kind of want to sweep it under the floor. Um, the problem is on the personal side for something like that, a lot of times, you, you know, there's really no, it doesn't follow you through very long. But on the business side, because everything is documented and business contracts are much, much longer term, that anytime you have any sort of liability, one is you're, you, there's a lot more legal issues to consider, like the legal disclosure for uh, cyber attacks. Uh, and you have to be able to really respond appropriately and and really your insurance company should be the first one you notify if something does happen. And uh, so the next topic on insurance I wanted to get into was, and stepping away from the cyber for a second, uh, I wanted to get into a little bit on the employment liability. Uh, I think that's, that's a huge issue according to the... EOC, uh, between 2007 and 2011, the number of charges filed with the EOC increased 21% with a record 99,947 claims filed in 2011. Half of those claims were targeted to small businesses. And 25% of the legitimate claims that year paid out over $364 million dollars in claim settlements and 81% um, of employment practices, liability claims settle between 22,000 and 4,000. Uh, so obviously that's a huge number. And for a small business having to pay out 40,000 in a in employment practices liability, really that for small businesses, that can be a, a disaster and that can be a disaster that closes their doors. So from an insurance standpoint, what, what does um, an employment practices liability policy really protect you from, and how? Do, what's the best way for small businesses to implement that policy in, in their own businesses? Vlad, I'm going to go back to my original statement when you first asked about how can a business owner best protect himself, which is secure the coverage for these topics, i.e. the cyber and the employment practices liability due to the fact of the litigious nature of our society. If a small business does take out employment practices liability and a claim is made, that premium is one-tenth of the cost to defend. What I'm telling you is the majority of these claims are fraudulent. So that's really a shame. You're, you're probably giving, quoting, nationwide stats. And the claims that have come across my desk from my clients, if I might be so bold, they're ludicrous. It's a free invitation for money, just like workers' comp, just like automobile accidents holding your back. It's a free invitation for money. So harassment, whether it be sexual, religious, employment practices, liability for a small business, I think is very important and I just have to keep harping on it and stay neutral just due to the litigious society that we live in. For the simple reason, an example of one of my clients who had, quote, an un, she, she considered that she was fired unfairly. She came into work one day. She worked at a uh, humane society, a very large, well-known humane society. And she came into work, 
stating that she had hurt her back at home uh, doing garden work and that she couldn't work for a while. So the management there said, not a problem, sit at the desk and answer the phone instead of lifting the animals and cleaning the kennels. So she sat at the desk, and then she said, you know, it hurts to sit at the desk. And she came several times to the management and showed them the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, she can't work. So the Humane Society is based on donations, and it's based on adoptions. They could not afford to keep her. So they said, we've given you every light job opportunity we can offer you. You're saying you can't work due to an injury that occurred after the, you know, off, off this premises. So we're going to have to let you go. Well, she came back with a lawsuit stating that she was fired unfairly. And therefore, they did have the employment practices liability in place, and it went to court. The insurance company paid the claim. The Humane Society did not have to, and the case is closed. Unfortunately, simply because that followed that Humane Society for three years, the paperwork had to continually be presented to the carrier because that carrier, I will, I will tell you, that carrier did non-renew. But the other carrier who was willing to take it looked at all the paperwork and said, oh, all right, not a problem. You were cleared. That's only one example, and there's several more. And I think the, the important thing also, um, which I think a lot of people don't really take a, a good good advantage of, is a lot of the insurance companies, um, so for example, I know uh, Travelers does this, uh, and I, I know uh, quite a few of the other ones that I've worked with through Sterling Rose and through my other companies, uh, they will they will do training and they will they do a lot of free seminars and they will send a risk assessor to your office that will basically teach you a lot of the ways of how to avoid having those claims so things like making sure that you have a proper employee handbook in place that outlines what the employees can do make sure that there's documentation for everything so a lot of times you can you you can't avoid a lawsuit because really anybody can file a lawsuit for any reason but it becomes very important when it comes to being able to back up what happened and being able to document and really show people what what had happened and have that paper trail and the insurance companies uh can really be a great asset for a lot of small businesses because they can walk them through all the pitfalls and make sure that they are doing everything possible in order to avoid those liability claims. Vlad, before you uh, continue the conversation and your next question, just want to chime in and remind our listeners that they are listening to Strategic Insights Radio brought to you by Sterling Rose Consulting Corps. You're listening to Vlad Roos. He's the CEO of Sterling Rose Consulting Corps. And today's topic is how to protect your business from disaster with our guest, Ellen New. Ellen is with Blackburn Tab Insurance Agency. And now back to you, our host, Vlad Roos. A couple of other, couple of other ways of that businesses can protect themselves, uh, not necessarily from an, an insurance standpoint, but just in general. Another example of, especially in, in the society we are now, there's a lot of service-based companies. Uh, so a lot of companies provide a service. And because they provide a service, they don't really perceive a liability in what they provide um, because there's not 
as would a product where there might be a chance for injury or if it's a like a skincare product there could be a chance for an allergy uh, a lot of that risk is perceived right away but with a service sometimes really the owners of the small business or managers don't really see it a way of that a liability can occur which i think is is really what the issue is uh so uh my next question really is going into the professional liability side and a lot of the buzzwords get thrown around professional liability errors and emissions uh and i just wanted to ask you to explain that a little bit better of what what does that mean for a a service-based company and even for a product-based company and what does that really how how do you best take precautions against having liability in those areas having professional liability vlad is key for insurance agencies accountants cpas lawyers marketing realist i said real estate did i not i didn't along those lines teachers physical education uh, personal trainers people by the title of their occupation alone gives people the sense that they know what they're doing Let's use my industry for example. I'm an insurance agent. I'm going to tell you what is important. I'm going to tell you this particular policy that you're buying is going to, according to policy terms and conditions, going to offer you this, 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 and this for coverage. If by any chance I omitted telling you a certain coverage was excluded and by not doing so, alluded to the fact in your mind it was a coverage and you had a claim, you could come back and say, this wasn't explained to me. And you owe me for this claim because I'm out $5,000 a day because my business has shut down and I've now got to go out and I've got to get a new facility. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. So then a real estate agent, if due diligence is not done, and you buy the house, and you find out it has faulty wiring, that it had a major loss claim due to water, and it was due to bad plumbing, anything along those lines, and yet the due diligence was not done, then that goes back on the realtor. Um, Accounting. Well, let's don't even do accounting. Let's do an architect, because I actually had this happen. Uh, One of my clients is a well digger, and he dug the well according to the architect's specifications on how the building was going to be. By the time he dug the well, they found out that the architect that had drawn the plans was incorrect by, I think he said, three-eighths of an inch. The county is coming back on our well digger, not the architect, because he has to go back in out of his pocket and redo the well. Whereas the architect is walking away, and my my client will not go after the architect because he said the politics would be too much. Therefore, but I'm just saying, had that been in a different situation, they could have gone after that architect if it hadn't been political. And when I say that, too many people know too many. You just have to be careful. That's exactly what I'm talking about. A lot of really in the professional services, um, a lot of people really don't see the where that liability can arise. And they can see when they make an error, there was a mistake. Uh, but I think a lot of times they, they forget to really analyze what what the fallout can be from making even a small mistake, uh, you know, like the three-eighths of an inch. So 
the the one thing I want to stress for a lot of small businesses and even medium sized businesses is that really putting together a risk assessment plan, a prevention plan, and a recovery plan is really key for a lot of businesses to continue staying in business. Uh, and in the IT space, you hear this a lot. Uh, all the big, all the IT companies are offering and now you know, disaster recovery. Um, and prevention and uh, really almost taking things out of the cloud to make them more secure and also uh, putting them on a private cloud so that it can be accessible so companies can be up and running within a, a couple of hours if a natural disaster were to hit versus weeks to recover their data and get back in their offices. And the same kind of idea can be applied to any business, uh, I think that's important for a lot of businesses that and have a plan in place where if any of the, these kind of disasters are present, that they can safely have a way of navigating through them, have a way that they can go ahead and get back on track and not be part of the statistic that closes down you know, or that never reopens after a disaster or that closes down within one or two years. Uh, wanted to thank you, Alan, uh, for coming on the show and sharing your data with us uh, about the potential dangers that can really hurt businesses. Um, again, this is not just your natural disasters like earthquakes, floods, and fire, uh, but it can be um, any sort of disasters like employment issues, breach of contracts, you know, missed deadlines, burglary, cyber theft, uh, supplier vendor quality issues and so much more. Uh, there's a number of free resources that businesses can utilize to really create a good plan of action and make sure that something does happen that their doors continue to stay open. Uh, obviously, besides Ellen, the Blackburn Tab Insurance Agency, uh, you can also, uh, if you go on the Travelers Insurance website, they have a Protect Your Business tab, and they provide uh, a really co good comprehensive guide to response plans and training. Uh, SBA has an entire section on emergency preparedness and disaster planning, as do other organizations such as ACE, uh, which provide free risk uh, seminars for companies. Um, you know, small businesses need to realize that doing that risk assessment, putting the plan in place, is not just something that large corporations do. Uh, most people coming out of corporate have gone through those risk meetings and, you know, what happens if this goes down and what happens when, you know, natural disaster hits, if there's a tornado outside, where does everybody go? And, and those kind of plans can also be put together for small businesses and because they affect every business of every size, not just big businesses. Again, Alan, thank you for coming on the on the show. Uh, and before we go, is there anything else that you want to add in for our listeners? I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity, Vlad. Um, you fairly well covered it. Um, I know I tend to go off the cuff on occasion, but as far as employee handbooks, uh, having someone come in and assess, it depends on the nature of your business. Are you a contractor? Are you a service business? Are you? Do you have a lot of heavy Internet-based but um, I just wanted to thank you again because I do believe you hit all of the areas that certain insurance aspects as far as cyber liability, professional liability, employment practices liability, those are key. They really are. General liability, granted, slip and fall, 
Don't forget in the general liability, you have products and completed operations and advertising injury, which is also very, very important. Thank you all for listening to Strategic Insights Radio, hosted by Sterling Rose Consulting Corp. We're going to be providing a free white paper that will be available to download from strategicinsightsradio.com. We also post the links to resources that are available to small businesses to help in creating that risk assessment. Uh, there's also information how to get in contact with LNU, the Blackbird Time Insurance Agency, and the guest section of our website. Uh, for more information on Strategic Insights Radio or Sterling Rose Consulting, uh, if you have a suggestion for a topic, uh, feel free to contact me directly through the website or my cell phone, which is 470-238-9097. This show is airs live every third Thursday of the month at 1130. If you cannot uh, listen to the show live, it is available for download on our website and also on iTunes. Before we go, Vlad, I just wanted to add this for Ellen. With your permission, if she wants to give a website or any contact information for people that want to hear more from her or, or talk more about her expertise, where can they find that information for your agency? Mike, thank you so much. Our agency phone number is 678-377-8655. My personal extension is 4. Our website is blackburntabinsuranceagency.com. We also have Twitter and a Facebook page as well as LinkedIn for myself. And if you feel like you want to get me after hours which I have a tendency to answer phones for all the time for my clients, you can call me on 678-787-1016. Thanks, Mike. Sounds great. Also, a lot of folks sometimes uh, ask, you know, how can I listen to the show live? And we want to make sure, Vlad, people understand how they can do that. Uh, to listen to Strategic Insights Live, just go to businessradiox.com. And now, you mentioned your website for the show, and people can go there, and that's a great, but if for some reason they can't remember that or remember Strategic Insights, uh, they can go to businessradiox.com in the top right hand corner you get to select your studio there's a drop down menu you just select the Gwinnett studio and then when you're on the Gwinnett page in the top right hand corner again it says listen now just click on the arrow and you'll be listening to the live programming and this show airs live on the third Thursday of every month at 11.30. So if you missed the live broadcast, you can catch it on Business Radio X or on the site you mentioned. But if you want to listen live, that's how you do it by going to that page and hitting the Listen Now button. So again, Strategic Insights comes to you live every uh, third Thursday of each month, but you can listen to the podcast 24-7 whenever it's convenient for you. Great job today. Interesting subject of how you can protect your business from disaster. We'll see you on the next show, Vlad. Thank you, Mike. All right. Until next time, for our guest and for our host, Vlad Roos of Sterling Rose Consulting Corps, this has been Strategics Insights Radio here on Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.